Welcome to The Barrel Banter, a show covering all things Milwaukee Brewers. From trades to signings, player analysis to game recaps, or discussing uniforms, ballpark food, and everything in between. Here are your hosts, Peter and David Goh. What's up, Brewers fans? Welcome back to The Barrel Banter. I am your host, Peter Goh, alongside what looks like Craig Council. Is that, is that you, Craig Council, in the uh, Craig Council sweatshirt? Basically, I, I, yeah, I guess I didn't think about it. I have the Craig Council sweatshirt on. Am I required to to talk in that that like Craig Council always bored tone? Uh, I thought, yeah, I thought Woody did a nice job for us today. Sue pitched good call, tonight. Call everyone by their their nickname. That's just half of their name with a Y stuck on the end. I hope I I hope you do not uh, speaking Craig Council tone for the rest of the podcast, but I I couldn't help. That's like I don't know certain certain brewer sweatshirts are like just like brewer sweatshirts, but certain ones are just like linked to the managers. Uh, maybe it's just because he literally wears it all the time, and it's like ninety degrees. Council or sorry, counts uh-huh. will still counts. have his uh his yep. full on his full uh full gear on, but whatever. Mm-hmm. Either way, um, lots more to cover today. Um, talking about. Contract extensions, Corbin Burns, we talked about a little bit last episode, Brandon Woodruff, Willie Adames, um, all the names, all the big players, uh, what that looks like for the Brewers in the next couple of years. Looking at the World Baseball Classic, which will be starting shortly, the Brewers have several players represented, uh, both some of their bigger players and some of the lesser known former Brewers. Stay tuned for that one, David. Uh, is very excited to talk about that. Uh, one of the lesser known and greater known players of the 2010s, I guess you could call him. Um, so that'll be on the World Baseball Classic. An update on the Walk of Fame and Wall of Honor for the Brewers over at American Family Field. Uh, touching on our uniform tournament results on Twitter that many of you uh, took part in. Uh, so excited to share the news of that. And then uh, also talk about the new substack that is launching uh, associated with the Barrel or the Barrel MKE. So a lot to cover today. It might be a little bit of a longer episode, but we're excited to to get to it, and spring training is already, already here. Opening day will probably be here before we know it. So before we jump into all of that, we have probably the, the most important thing, David, and that is today's random player of the day. So why don't you share who that is today? We do have a random player of the day today. That man is Dave Bush. He pitched five years with the Brewers, nine total in the majors. I think his other years came with the Blue Jays. He's actually currently the Red Sox pitching coach. He, he became... Like kind of that that hybrid where he was a was more of a, a data driven former player, so he had both the playing side and more of the the analytical side that meshed together. I think actually in the World Baseball Classic qualifiers a couple of years ago, he was a pitching coach for Team China. So I I don't believe that he's Chinese by ethnicity, but he was a pitching coach for them across his five years with the Brewers, forty six and fifty three record with a four eight ERA. And he's actually a member of the Cape Cod Baseball League Hall of Fame. He pitched, I think it was two years, and he was a closer one of the years on one of the greatest Cape Cod League teams of all time. He was he was very good in college at Wake Forest, and he was actually a double major in college too, psychology and sociology. Don't remember where I came across that one, but I had that stored up in the archives of his information when I when I tweeted about him on his birthday. Yeah. I remember a time going to Miller Park for a Dave Bush signing, and I, I, I was still pretty young, so I don't even remember hardly anything, but I remember him signing a, a Brewer's police card 
Yep. For those of you that remember back when police baseball cards, you could go up to a police officer and get baseball cards. They randomly just stopped that. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know, a while, a long while ago. 10 years ago, uh, maybe. Yeah, 10 years plus probably. But it used to be a thing where you just saw a police officer at Miller Park and you'd ask for baseball cards and they'd hand them out. And I remember getting a Dave Bush police card signed, but I think the pendant works. So I remember, I think I still have the card. The back has him like mm-hmm. drawing on the back to warm up the pen because the pen wouldn't work, which is a rookie mistake on my part. Probably, I was probably, I don't know, eight or something like that, six or eight, somewhere in there. Um, that's my, uh, my, my memory of, of Dave Bush and a little bit of a, I don't know. I feel like he had a little bit of a strange delivery. Um, but yeah, kind of a, a a classic, I guess, back end of the, back end of the rotation type starter. Mm -hmm. When I think about Dave Bush, I think about that profuse leg kick down and out. He like, he would come up with his leg, but then he would kick his leg like way out, which I mean, it isn't a bad thing mechanically, but I just remember that being the most notable part of his delivery and then of course his his outing in Arizona when he allowed back to back to back to back home runs I remember I remember cutting out a picture of each home run in the newspaper and it on a collage in our room <laughs> and you were you were like why would we why would we put a picture of Dave Bush allowing four home runs on the collage in our room but I think I still did it I was probably seven eight years well, old we, and we had we had enough space to include it given that the collages took up about what 25% of all wall and ceiling space in the room at the time more than that yeah 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 so plenty of plenty of room for Dave Bush who is today's random player of the day so let's get to it David uh, let's talk about some of the uh, rather the, rather than the back end of the, the of the rotation let's talk about the front end of the rotation guys by the name of Corbin Burns and Brandon Woodruff let's start there on the extension piece I don't think we need to spend a lot of times on Corbin Burns because we talked about him so much last week on the arbitration case clearly having a negative impact on the chance that he um, stays in Milwaukee past his six years. So is Corbin Burns going to be extended uh, or is this a lost cause at this point? I don't think it's going to happen. He probably will get about 30 million a year across seven years. The Brewers aren't going to be willing to pay that whether or not they can. Burns relationship with the Brewers has been hurt, of course, through the arbitration process. I think it's highly unlikely that they extend Burns at this point. And really any hope that we had of of that happening is gone after the arbitration case. I think that might have been the bigger thing was that we kind of just realized that that there wasn't any hope anymore. But could they realistically extend Woodruff? That's, I think, a more legitimate question. Fangraphs projects that he's worth about six years, 131. So that'd be about 22 million a year if I'm doing my math right. I think that's worth it. I mean, he's a front of the line starter. They have a good young core position player. So when, when that extension would kick off in 2025, they'd be overall actually pretty good on the payroll front in terms of having younger players taking up the payroll, or excuse me, younger players on the payroll so they don't take up as much space. The only thing is, is would they be willing to have multiple big contracts with Woodruff and Yelich, of course, already under contract, possibly Willie Adames, we don't know about him. But Woodruff would be worth that price. Of course, it's not my money, but when you look at the the amount that other starters are getting, I mean, Woodruff's been a top 10 starter in baseball over the past few years. If you look at his ranks in the NL, he's he's top 10 in ERA, in war, and he's he's even fourth in strikeout rate. So he's been one of the best, one of the most dominant starters across all of baseball, and specifically the NL. So if if they don't extend Burns for $30 million a year, 
they have to extend Woodruff to to keep their competitive window open. If they want to win, they need good production from Brandon Woodruff, and they need to keep him in a Brewers uniform. Yeah, certainly it, it has to be one of the two. There's no there's no you know deep playoff runs or even World Series hopes without at least one of the two. And I think we can all agree it's, it's not going to be both. Uh, we're certainly not going to extend both along with Yelich's existing contract. I actually wonder, too, if, if if Brandon Woodruff wasn't, like, let's just say Brandon Woodruff never turned out. He, he, you know, was a prospect, never turned out. Like, I think the Brewers' likelihood of extending Burns is much, much higher. Mm-hmm. But because Woodruff is there and everybody knows he's going to be the cheaper option, and he's, I mean, he's a hair not as valuable as Burns, but he, like you said, he's been a top 10 starter in the last couple of years. And so I, I think the Brewers see greater value relative to what they would pay from Burns, or excuse me, from Woodruff than Burns. And actually, I think if Burns mm-hmm. wasn't in the situation, uh, excuse me, if Woodruff wasn't in the situation, I think the Brewers would more seriously look at extending Burns. I'm going to agree with you. I don't think the Brewers extend Burns. But absolutely, that would be a good, a, a great signing, I think, for the Brewers to extend, Cor- uh, sorry, Brandon Woodruff um, with the terms that, that you that you shared. And I don't know. Uh, he, he has flown under the radar a little bit in his career. But at the same time, he's his numbers speak for themselves. So the one I think that's actually a little bit more questionable about whether the Brewers step out, I guess, and commit to Willie Adame's long-term, it's a little bit harder than I think Burns and Woodruff because they've been elite for several years now. Um, Adame's not as much, but he's also not going to demand as much money uh, relative to his position. So what are your thoughts on the Brewers extending Willie Adame's? Of course, as a fan, I'd like to see them extend him. But it seems like he might get $150 million, maybe even more. The contracts for shortstops have been really increasing over the last two years. We've seen huge contracts doled out to Seager, Correa, Dansby Swanson, even Javi Baez. Look at Javi Baez's contract, six years, 150. Is Willie Adames a better player right now than Baez was entering free agency? It, it depends how you kind of what you value. Do you value the stability of Adames? versus the the higher upside of Baez. But I think that'd be reasonable for Adames to get somewhere around $150 million across six or seven years. Are the Brewers willing to do that on top of Woodruff, on top of Yelich? It depends how much they're willing to stretch the payroll. Of course, we'd like to see them do that, but I, I don't know how much they're willing to do that. They've been cutting costs, which, I mean, it depends... I, like I don't know, I don't know what's behind them cutting costs because remember at the end of 2019 they cut costs. Also, they didn't re-sign Grindal or Mustakis, which both turned out being um, turned out to be good things. They instead added two to three million dollar contracts like Eric Sogard, Justin Smoke, Ryan Healy. But then at the end of the offseason, we had extensions for Freddie Peralta and Christian Yelich. So it ended up being worth it. Of course, 2020 was kind of a wash. They didn't get good production out of those other guys. But with the extension to Yelich, especially at the time, it was like, okay, we can see why they were saving money and it's worth it. Right now, the Brewers payroll is about $20 million lower than it was last year. Is that because they're saving a little bit of money for extensions? Maybe. They talked about not spending as much money when they weren't competitive. And now that they're in that competitive window, are they going to be willing to spend that sort of cash that was saved. I don't know exactly how that works, but but theoretically are they are they willing to do that? Is that why they've been cutting costs over the past 
um, year or two. Maybe they, we saw them dump Renfro. We saw them dump Colton Wong. Jesse Winker will be a free agent after the year who's making close to 10 million. So I'm curious to see if there's at least one extension that's going to come. I don't know. We haven't really seen Woodruff say anything about extensions. Adame said he wants to stay, but we don't know if that's going to happen, if they're going to get it done. Corbin Burns we talked about. So I'm curious to see what happens. I'd, I'd be thrilled if, if they extended one of the three before opening day, but I don't know if that's going to happen. Yeah, I don't think – I would say I'm guessing none will get extended before opening day, but I'm going to say one of the three gets extended by next by next year's opening day. I don't see the Brewers passing up the option to extend one of the three. Um, the, I think if I had to – if I had to guess one, I would say Woodruff gets extended. Um, he has, like you said, has been very quiet about it, but that's also his nature. You don't mm-hmm. really hear much about Woodruff. It's part of the reason why he's probably the most underrated of the elite starting pitchers in baseball because you just don't really hear about him. Um, and so I, I think that it's really is likely. And I think that Adames, the Adames extension is also waiting on the fact that we have Bryce two rank who we're going to see this year. So I think it depends what kind of production we see from him this year. If all of a sudden he comes out, um, swinging and has a great first season, the Brewers might be a little bit slower to dish out 150 million to a guy like Adames, whereas they don't get production from him. They traded away Colton Wong. They're kind of taking a bet on the rest, a lot of the infield to really just see, who's going to stick and who's not. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think I think the Brewers will actually wait out the Adames extension for the, the season to see what kind of production they get from young players and what the infield's going to look like. Yeah, I think that's certainly possible. It doesn't seem like they're going to turn the shortstop position over to Luis Urias at any point anymore, but Turing is probably that wild card. I don't, like, personally, I don't think Turing will be capable of being a, a decent everyday shortstop, maybe an average everyday second baseman. I think he could handle shortstop defensively, but I don't think that when you when you look at his his value combined offensively and defensively, I don't know that he produces enough to be an everyday shortstop, especially for a team that wants to contend. It's one thing if, if the Brewers were a 75-win team kind of on the upswing, but I don't know that Turing is that guy, but of course we'll see him this year. We'll see what he has offensively, and we'll see if he's maybe capable of taking over that everyday shortstop role if or when the Brewers move on from Willie Adames. Yeah, and I, I would I would generally agree. I'm not sure he's going to be a Willie Adames replacement, but yeah, well, I guess we'll we'll see what that comes from his 2023 season. I think it's also interesting, though, beyond just strictly looking at the Brewers, baseball as a whole you know, you think about the Rays, they're notorious for it, um, probably more than the Brewers even, um, of seeing a guy for a couple of years and, and then trading him away, getting some value and restocking. And it's kind of just tr- constant churning of players. And that's not necessarily a knock against the Rays. The Rays have been a good organization, way outperformed what they quote unquote should have performed um, given their payroll and talent pool. But can you maybe speak larger than just the Brewers in baseball um, about just what we've seen in the, the way that organizations are turning through players. Very different than the likes of Jim Gantner playing 17 years with the Brewers, Robin Yount, Paul Molitor. I mean, even guys like Ogilvy and Thomas, who, you know, you think of as Brewers, you you don't really think about the fact that those guys played for, I think, somewhere around 10 years, and that, that just doesn't really happen anymore. Right. It's easy to, to think about the 75-year-old that says, oh, well, baseball isn't what it used to be. The players aren't loyal anymore. And they just want money. 
Like that seems to be a, a sort of common refrain, but I think that stretches beyond just the older generation that wishes baseball were like it was in the fifties or sixties, because it is, I think it is bad for baseball when you don't have the continuity of, of your players. Of course, there's going to be some turnover year to year. You're not going to have the same roster one through 25 that you did in any given year. There are going to be some relievers, bench guys, maybe a couple of your, you're not as good starting position players are going to change teams. It's not like it was in, in the pre-free agency years. But one of the things that I hear often from Brewer fans, and for those listening, I, I love to hear your feedback if you want to contact us uh, on, on social media. But it's a problem that the players aren't staying as long. And is that a, a player issue or is that a team issue? The players are going to go where the money is generally. There aren't really that many hometown discounts anymore. So it, it's kind of on the team to extend its own players. But when they're constantly turning over players, I mean, we have a few guys that are still here from the 2018 team, but not that many. Almost all of the, the players that were the best players in 18 are gone now. And it's only really a, a few years in the same competitive window. I think that's bad for baseball. People complain about not knowing who the players are. Like we root for the team, but we also root for the team because of the players. It creates identity. And one of the articles that we're putting out on my on my Substack uh, that's launching, it'll probably be up by the time this, this episode is up, uh, but it's about the identity and, and the lack of identity. Why do Brewer fans love Don Money or Jim Gantner or Gorman Thomas more so than Aramis Ramirez or Colton Wong? And it's because they played so many years in a Brewer's uniform. They had that identity and they formed the identity of the Brewers. When you have two years of Colton Wong and one year of Hunter Renfro and then move on to the next guy, it's hard to it's hard to really feel invested. Um, and, and one of the things I talked about was how meaningful would it be if the Brewers won the World Series with a team full of players on one-year contracts? Like, sure, I'd still be happy, but it wouldn't really feel the same because I think the the joy of rooting for your team is seeing the players go through their ups and downs, seeing Corbin Burns bounce back from being that worst pitcher in baseball in 2019 to winning a Cy Young in 2021, or think about Willie Adames breaking out and seeing him really come into his own in a Brewers uniform, or even Travis Shaw and Eric Thames, their key producers on a couple playoff teams, and they're guys that you really like to have on a team. And I mean, they're, I would say, comparable players to maybe, maybe not quite close to Ben Ogilvy, Gorman Thomas, Don Money, those types of players. And if they, if they had spent a long time in Milwaukee, I think we'd see that same sort of affinity for them. And that's, that's kind of what creates the, the identity in fan base and the identity in rooting for a team is having that continuity, having the same player. You know that you're going to see Corbin Burns in a Brewer's uniform. You know you're going to see Brandon Woodruff taking the ball every five days, not just for a couple of years, but for eight, ten years where it, it really starts to become entrenched that Brandon Woodruff is a Brewer and that creates that identity. So if you, if you want to read more about my article and how it challenges, um, it's a challenge for small market teams not extending their players, whether that's for lack of finances or for, for MLB not incentivizing it, um, go check out the Substack. You can go to thebarrelmke.substack.com. And it's, I think it's got Corbin Burns in the heading. If you click on that one, that's the one about identity and extensions. 
Um, so go check that one out. But wanted to touch on it a little bit on the podcast today. Yeah, no, it, it, there. I think there's a lot to be said about uh, the Brewers fans, and you're right. I mean, Eric Thames. I I enjoyed watching Eric Thames. He's a fun player to watch, fun player to have on the team. He was here actually longer than the average person nowadays. Um, but you're right. If a guy like Thames would have been with, with the Brewers, and I know that he was in Korea, and obviously he wouldn't have been here for 10 years. But if Eric Thames would have been here for 10 years um, and put up years like he did for the couple of years he was with the Brewers, I mean, yeah, he absolutely would have been a guy that a lot of Brewers fans would have looked back on and been like, man, I, I really enjoyed rooting for Eric Thames or those home runs he had. I'm not really sure what else you would you would remember besides the home runs or his outfield uh, defense. Yeah, his outfield defense. Yeah, you probably would remember his outfield defense actually. <laughs> um, but you're right. There's there's something to be said. There's, and I don't know what the answer is because you're right. The the players are not by a fault of their own are, are following where the money is, and teams have understood that. Hey, it's best if we, you know, Josh Hader obviously. You know, what do we do? We keep keep Hader as long as possible for the fans, or do we try to extend Hader? Well, the Brewers know that, and looking at the analytics, their organization may be better off, perhaps, by trading him, restocking. Now you've got Robert Gasser in AAA and the Story Ruiz who brought in William Contreras. Like the analytics show all that, um, and that you're right, it, it is an issue. And I think Brewer, MLB has always had a hard time. I think, in, well, not always, in the last couple of decades, in I think continuing to keep fans engaged and entertaining them, and that's one of the reasons that that's the case. So. Enough, uh, enough on that. We'll get off our, our soapboxes there and move towards our second topic here, which is the World Baseball Classic. So the Brewers have eight notable players uh, playing for the World Baseball Classic. And, and I'll just mention uh, before, uh, just for the, the video watchers of our podcast, another quick plug. Podcasts are now out on YouTube. You can also watch video podcasts on Spotify as well. But Spotify and YouTube, you can... Uh, you get the joy of seeing both of both my face and David's face as we talk about the Brewers. So if uh, video video podcasts are your thing, check out YouTube and Spotify. Quick plug for that. And also, um, it was a disaster trying to get the podcast recorded today, trying like five different devices. And um, as you'll see, I switched mid mid podcast. So anyways, quick, uh, quick thing I'll just note there. But like I was talking about, eight players, notably from the Brewers, playing in the World Baseball Classic. Team USA represented uh, by Devin Williams, course Brewers closer, Willie Adames and Yoel Piamps, a little bit of a lesser known name for Dominican Republic, Luis Urias and Rowdy Telez for Team Mexico, Sal Freilich for Italy, Abraham Toro for Canada, and Alex Claudio for Puerto Rico. So of those of those active players, David, which uh, which are you most excited to see? Of the active ones, I'm most excited to see Sal Freilich for Team Italy. But among other non-current brewers, I'm most excited to see Wei Chung Wong for Team Taiwan. Uh, I don't know where he ranks exactly in terms of their their pitching rotation, but I mean, I he's still pretty good. So I I would think he'd be one of their best starters, if not their best starter. And their first game is on a Wednesday, so we may get a Wei Chung Wong Wednesday to start. March seventh is a opening day. I forget who they're who they're playing against in the first round. But I am very excited to see the re-emergence of Wei Chung Wong. I always liked him. I, it was sad when the Brewers did not retain him in, was that like 2017, 2018? Yeah. But, but, uh, but I'm excited to see him pitch for Team Taiwan. I'm glad you, you could just see the excitement beaming from you as I, as I uh, asked that question. 
Um, I, the one thing that I was looking looking through the, the eight players, Devin Williams will be fun to see pitch for Team USA. I think that's a really cool honor. Um, I watched Jonathan Lucroy's interview on forgetting the MLB Network show that they had him on. Um, but I watched his interview. I forget, like I said, which which show it was on MLB Network. Um, but they had Luke Roy on at, about the World Baseball Classic and his experience playing for Team USA twice. And he said that the atmosphere of playing World Baseball Classic was cooler to him than playing in the MLB playoffs. Hmm. Which, like, that's a that's a bold bold thing to say. Um, but he like he could not stop talking about how cool of an experience it was, an honor to play. Um, it sounds like it was definitely one of, if not the highlights of Lucroy's career. Um, I believe it was 2012 and 2016, if I'm not mistaken, that he played. 13 um, and 17, I think. 13 and 17, thank you, um, that, that he played for Team USA. But I think it'll be really cool to see Devin Williams. And to think about where he was a couple of years ago, this uh, no-name prospect. Mm-hmm. And, and now he wasn't even a prospect anymore. That's true. You're right. You're right. He came up. True, true. So I'm excited to see Williams. The other one. Sal Freelick, we were talking about this before the, the podcast, David. That I was like, how is Sal Freelick Italian? I was like, well, I guess you looked up his name, Salvatore, which I, I feel like just the name alone probably would have got him on the mm-hmm. team. I guess he does have some uh, relation to Italy. I guess they didn't allow that exception um, for the first name. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see Freelick as well um, just because it'll be another chance to see him play against some, you know, major league players, major league stars across the different countries. And we'll see how he's able to stack up, I think, a little bit as a preview to what we might see going to the 23 season. Mm-hmm. The other one, I guess uh, I'll, I'll point out um, as well, is Abraham Toro. I think I'm still interested to see what what potential he has. We've seen him have um, some potential and kind of similar to Freelick um, in the sense that it's a little bit of a preview to see maybe what kind of production we'll see from him in, mm-hmm. in kind of a, a mix of, of infield that we'll see how that exactly shakes out. So March 7th, put on your calendar, uh, Wei Chung Wong Wednesday, maybe, uh, maybe if he gets that opening day start for team Taiwan, David will be beaming ear to ear and uh, glued to the TV. He'll probably miss at all classes. Yeah. Oh, right. I was going to say all your I think classes. Starts at but... five or 6 a.m. Perfect. Perfect. Well, let's talk, uh, Ben Sheets actually ties in perfectly to the, uh, sort of to the world baseball classic Olympics close enough. Um, you can you can check out David's uh, video on YouTube of why Ben Sheets had a better 2008 season than CC Sabathia, um, and, and it talks about Sheets's career, including that Olympic run and iconic picture um, from that Olympics. But anyways, Ben Sheets inducted to the Brewers Walk of Fame, which for those that are confused, which I'll I'll raise my hand to that one too. Walk of Fame, Wall of Honor. I always say there's there's too many things. Um, but the Walk of Fame is the most prestigious honor. There's 15 Brewers, six Braves, and David, correct me if I'm wrong, but this is where you've got the home plates around American Family Field, correct? That's correct. Yes. So, see, I, I got to check. I got to check myself too because there's, like I said, there's. I get confused. Most recently, uh, in 2022, Prince Fielder uh, was inducted into the Walk of Fame, and um, Ben Sheets. If you're a Brewers fan, you you probably know Ben Sheets played before Prince Fielder. But yet Fielder being inducted in 2022. So, David, can you maybe shed some light into why 2023 now Ben Sheets is being inducted? It was actually because of uh, the movement from my my YouTube video I made about Ben Sheets. <laughs> that it gained popularity among among the voters. Uh, I, I actually don't know why it took him so long. I do know that the, the voters, which I think they're just the writers or, or local Milwaukee people that, are, that have some sort of importance in baseball, like I know Tom Hondercourt, Adam McCalvey, those types of people, they vote. 
I don't know if there are any former players that vote for it, but they're notoriously stingy on who gets in. And you only need 65% of the vote to get in on this one, not even 75 like the Baseball Hall of Fame. So I'm not sure why it took Sheets um, as long as he did. I, I think it's five years after you retire. So you retired in 2012 after a year with Atlanta. So that would be 2017. So it took him five ballots to get in. I think Fielder got in on his first ballot. I mean, was Fielder a better player than Sheets? I don't know. Pretty mm-hmm. close. Mm-hmm. So I I don't know why it took so long. Uh, but, yeah, they they decided this year was the year to induct Ben Sheets. Yeah, no, it is. it does seem a bit weird. I mean, you think about Sheets, of course, really playing in that 2000s decade. It's been a long time since, since Ben Sheets was playing for the Brewers. Uh, not as much the case for Fielder, who did, of course, overlap with Sheets. But Sheets 01 to 09, Fielder 05 to 2011 with the Brewers. So Sheets also had a longer career with the Brewers. Both players ended with wins above replacements, according to baseball reference, at around 23 wins above replacement, ironically, um, across their careers. But Sheets also spent basically his whole career with the Brewers, whereas mm-hmm. Fielder, of course, went on to Detroit and had lesser productive years there. But still, um, Sheets, I think, I would say Sheets had the better career as a Brewer than Prince Fielder did. It was mm-hmm. a little bit of a disrespect to me that it took him this long. To be honest, I didn't realize he wasn't in. Like when it Same. when, when yeah. it was announced that he made it, uh, I, yeah, I, I didn't even. I, I was like, I thought I thought he already. I already thought he was. So that was mm-hmm. definitely a bit of a surprise to me. And and this one this one intrigues me. I'm I'm actually excited to hear this one. Bob Hurricane Hazel. Who in the world is Bob Hurricane Hazel, and why was he inducted into the Braves Wall of Honor? Yeah, so this will be the wall of honor that's on the side of the ballpark near the that hot corner team store. I don't know if they still call it that. At least it was five, six years ago. So there are, what, 60 players on this. The The categories to qualify aren't extremely um, exclusive. So, but, but Bob Hurricane Hazel only played two years, I think, for the, yeah, two years for the Braves. Which actually, I found out that he was called Hurricane Hazel because there was a, a hurricane called Hurricane Hazel in like 1952 that went through Louisiana. So he got the nickname Hurricane Hazel, which is is kind of funny. But it was it was mid 1957, of course, the Braves World Series year, and he was in Triple A Wichita. The the Braves needed an outfielder, so they talked with the the manager. And we're trying to figure out who they should call up. And the manager said, well, Bob Hazel is very streaky. So you'll either get him playing really well or you'll get him and he'll be terrible. But if he's terrible, you can always just option him back and try someone else. But if he gets hot, then good. That's good. Um, so why don't you try calling up Hurricane Hazel? So the, the Braves decided to call up uh, Hazel. And in late July, he got called up after his first month of playing and he had, he had played briefly in, I think, 54 for the Reds, but definitely not an established big leaguer. 67 at-bats in the first month, and he was hitting 507. <laughs> so 34 for 67, which is crazy. And he finished the year hitting 403 across 155 at-bats. And I didn't even know this until yesterday, but since integration in 1947, when Jackie Robinson broke the color barrier, Bob Hurricane Hazel is the only player in MLB history with at least 150 at-bats and a batting average of 400 or better. We talk about Ted Williams as the last player to hit 400 <laughs> in a year. 
Well, no, it was Bob Hurricane Hazel. Just if we lower the at bat standard a little bit. And then in 58, he came back out and he was terrible. He went on one of those cold streaks. The Brewers traded him to Detroit, and that was his last year in the majors. So really, 57 was his only real impact in the major leagues, but he hit 403 and 155 at-bats, and apparently those 155 at-bats are enough to get him inducted onto the Wall of Honor for a team that he didn't play for 65 years later. That's crazy. Only a, only a baseball story, Bob Hurricane Hazel. Position right fielder and pinch hitter, in case you were wondering gets that illustrious pinch hitter title. Unfortunately, he passed away in uh, 1992 at the age of 61. Um, so no longer no longer here to 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 hear the news of of his uh, recognition, but I'm sure it is it is pretty a pretty crazy story. Um, and honestly, that, that deserves I feel like that, that deserves a, a brief YouTube video. I know it would be like a breakdown, but like he needs to be people need to know who Bob Hurricane Hazel is mm-hmm. and, and what better time I thought I thought the, right. the nickname Hurricane like I was thinking like okay he's like super streaky so like when he's on right. he, he, I don't know Same. a hurricane it doesn't, still doesn't really make any sense but that was just kind of my uh-huh. assumption. Yeah, yeah, me too. Until I I actually looked up a little bit more about who Hurricane Hazel was. I'd always heard of him, but I didn't really know who he was. And he actually shared the right field duties in the second half, or was it left field? One one or the other with Andy Pafko, who as we record this is his birthday today. He passed away about 10 years ago, but handy, Andy, handy, Andy. Absolutely. And actually speaking of recording this today, it's a good, a very good feeling. I, uh, while we were recording this, like I said, amongst all the technology issues that I've had, I ended up having to resort to recording this on my phone and I just got the Brewers lineup notification. I haven't got that thing Ooh. in months. Actually, I, I, I didn't even look at, at who it was, but it looks like the Brewers have, uh, Mitchell Freelich in the lineup. Ooh, Luke Voigt couple of everyday regulars as well. Uh, we're recording this as you can probably figure out on the 25th here um, before the Brewers' first spring training game. But, David, let's as we uh, get closer to wrapping up here, let's talk about Brewers' uniform and the tournament results that we had on Twitter. First off, uh, who was the runner-up jersey in our tournament? And maybe if you want to share a little bit of, of what that tournament was. Yeah, I ran a Twitter poll tournament on our on our Twitter page for Brewers uniforms. Not every uniform in the history was included because there were like 29 uniforms. And I didn't think that the road grays from 1994 to 96 had any shot of of doing some damage in the, the tournament. I didn't want it to turn into the, the Eric Sogard face of MLB <laughs> tournament. I, I wanted a viable uniform to win the tournament. So the runner-up was actually the powder blue in the in the 80s, which is one of the most popular uniforms I, I know of of brewer's history yeah absolutely the reason why you asked me to share the runner-up but not the winner <laughs> no i wanted to hear i wanted to hear both uh so the powder, oh, okay. powder blues finishing in second and 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 I, this one actually to be honest actually kind of surprised me that this this was the number one uniform I, I thought maybe one of the 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 current more recently updated jerseys or the even the brew crew jerseys i, I was surprised by this so who was the winner of the, of the tournament the winner was the Retro Fridays they wore in the the last about 15 years that they just stopped wearing in 2019. So it seems like maybe maybe the Brewers should bring back the Retro Fridays. Um, nothing beats nostalgia in Milwaukee. So that's why I wasn't so surprised that it was a current uniform that, that didn't win, even though I think their current set is probably the best set they've ever had. 
but the the navy alternates were were the best representative of the current uniform set they made it to the final four before getting eliminated by the retro fridays uh, i i tagged the brewers and said that the brewers should bring back the retro fridays the people spoke they said that they loved the retro fridays they should bring it back but actually i found out this new rule that mlb and nike instituted or are instituting for the 2023 season it's called the four plus one rule you're only allowed to have four uniforms plus City Connect in your regular rotation of uniforms. So in order for the Brewers to actually bring back a retro, they would need to eliminate one of the current ones, mm. which I'm actually like, I, I like the current home cream uniforms, but it feels to me a little bit redundant to have home cream. And then in a similar style, the white pinstripe. And I really like the white pinstripe. So personally, I would be fine with them getting rid of the, the home creams, make the white pinstripe the the normal ones, and then bring the retro Fridays back. Um, my other idea is an, is an MLB-wide idea to make every Friday a retro Friday across MLB. MLB fans love nostalgia. We, we just mentioned that. But they love, they love talking about the past. They love uniforms and the history of baseball. I think it'd be cool if every team had a home retro and a road retro, and every Friday across the league, Every team wore a retro uniform. I think that would be a cool idea. The Brewers, I think, would be among the, the strongest proponents of it. But but perhaps they should bring back the retro Fridays, even if it comes at the cost of eliminating one of their current ones. Yeah. Or, I mean, I wouldn't also be opposed to... I know the retro Friday jerseys were really popular, the actual jerseys themselves with the pinstripes, of course. But I also wouldn't be opposed to them switching up the retro jersey either. Like, bringing back retro Fridays, but even switching out the jersey. I don't know what exactly jersey that would be. Mm-hmm. How, preferably not from the 90s. Um, so mm-hmm. it, it would probably be not something that's not all that different from the same era. But I don't know. Maybe that would be maybe something they could consider too. So it's at least still something different. But it still gets, like mm-hmm. you said, hits at the uh, nostalgic feature of, of 80s Brewers mm-hmm. baseball. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think, I mean, the City Connect are powder blue. Um, there have been people clamoring for powder blue pants to go along with it. And I, I would be a proponent of that, at least when they wear them on the road. They look pretty bad to me with the with the, with the the gray pants. But I would actually also be in favor of them making it look a little bit more like their 80s powder blue uniforms. Maybe they say Brew Crew still. Maybe they switch to say Milwaukee. But something that's a little bit more looking like the, the 80s ones, and maybe that's a way to circumvent the rules to make it a retro and city connect at the same time. There we go. There we go. Well, while, while we're on the uniform piece, uh, it sounds like brewers will be getting a sleep advertisement for 2023 as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They, they haven't announced anything or, or actually put anything on the uniforms, but I found this out yesterday. I got on a big rabbit hole of MLB uniforms, found out actually the Mariners are eliminating their road gray uniforms. So they don't have a gray uniform, which I think makes them the only team in baseball now because they had, they had I think, six uniforms, so they had to get rid of two of them. But the advertising patches will go on the sleeve that's most advantageous for camera time based on the hitter's or pitcher's handedness. So, like, it'll go on the pitcher's throwing side, and it'll go on the hitter's non-throwing side, I think. So like if the hitter is if the hitter is like here, 
it'll go if it's a left-handed hitter it'll go on the right because he'll be facing the center field camera and then a pitcher because you're seeing the back side of them it'll be on the throwing side so actually the jerseys won't be all the same there'll be like left-handed jerseys and right-handed mm-hmm. jerseys which is kind of strange yeah. but but uh but someone noticed that the brewers on photo day had different players in uh, with the 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 baseball patch that they have on different sides indicating that the advertising patch will be coming. So I, I put out on Twitter, what would be the best advertisements to have on the Brewers uniforms? We got some good responses. Of course, Culver's quick trip, fleet farm. Yes. Harley Davidson Miller, which sadly I don't think Miller is going to do it because they're not based in Milwaukee anymore, but Miller would be the perfect one. Like I, I photoshopped all the different ones onto a uniform and Miller looked like it belonged. Like, even though the color didn't line up, like Miller looked like it was just supposed to be on the Jersey and there was, it wasn't even an advertisement. So we had some good ones. What would be your, your ideal advertiser for the brewers? I feel like the fleet farm is fleet farm is definitely a good one. Menards, just a, a big old Menards. red Menards. Right. Uh-huh. <laughs> Now, would they put under Menard's 11% rebate? If, yes, in Wisconsin, yes, absolutely. Okay. Probably okay. like C store for details underneath, something like that as well. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> yeah. And maybe a maybe a, a brown paper bag for everything yes. you can fit inside, yeah. Of, yeah. inside of the paper bag. I would bag. like to see that. They're probably going to get some boring advertisement like... Johnson Controls US or something. Or something. Yeah. and Lardner. I don't know. I mean, at least Johnson Controls is is Milwaukee based. Yeah. I guess American Family Insurance is probably the most likely. They already have the the naming rights for both the Spring Training Complex and the stadium now. But Harley Davidson, they're not doing that well. It probably won't be them. If I serve, I'd be surprised because of right. the amount that they put into the Bucks. Quick Trip's probably a little bit too small. Um, I know, I know the Red Sox are getting, they're getting 17 million a year from their advertisement, but like the Reds are only getting 5 million. So we could, Brewers maybe we'll get somewhere in that seven, $8 million range. Maybe if, if all our listeners yes. pitch together, what? $2 million <laughs> each. <laughs> no, we have more than four listeners. No, we gotta but, get, but if we get, if we get, if we get all our listeners, all our followers, all our YouTube viewers, to pitch in some money, maybe we could get a, a nice advertisement for there we the go. barrel. You think, you think we could maybe get Absolutely. that? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Just, uh, yeah, maybe drop, drop a five-star re- review for us. And, uh, we right. I was going to say, so we don't even have paid subscriptions on our podcast, so you can't even, you can't even directly, directly, uh, support the cause, but, uh, we could, yeah. Culver, okay. Culver's could absolutely dish out 5 million or 8 million uh-huh. even to, to sponsor the Brewers jersey, I'd love to just see a logo patch of just like this would be iconic if the if Culver's sponsored it, didn't even put Culver's on it, but and like the like the Brewers. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. The the shoulder patch has the the grill logo, right? Just switch that out with a uh, for the, yeah. So just switch that out with a, like a, a butter burger, like that. That would be an iconic <laughs> iconic um, endorsement, and you wouldn't even have to put Culver's on it, and mm. that thing would go crazy. No. Cheese curds, Alt- retro fries, a bag of cheese curds. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> All right. So uh, our last, our last topic as we uh, go down butter burgers and cheese curd rabbit holes is uh, the new Substack launching, which we talked about a little bit. Um, also, we've got uh, more YouTube YouTube videos out and more on the way. So we'll be continuing to grow 
uh, the content we put out both on the podcast, on YouTube. Like I said, all of our podcasts are now going to be up on YouTube as well. So if you prefer the video option and you don't want to watch it through Spotify, you can watch that through YouTube. Um, and then David, tell us a little bit more about the Substack, um, how often you'll be writing, what you'll be writing about, and when we can expect to see those first articles. Yeah, we're, we're planning on releasing this episode probably Monday morning like we normally do. And the Substack is also going to be launched. Well, the articles are going to go live Monday morning. The Substack, I think, is already up if you want to subscribe. Um, let me just make sure that I don't give you the the wrong link. Yeah, you go to the barrelmke.substack.com. You'll see it there. You'll see our logo and and coming soon if you if the articles aren't live yet by the time you're you're looking at this. But I'm going to put out three articles on Monday morning. So the first one is just explaining who we are, the barrel, kind of our story. We haven't really talked about this much on here. It'd be too long to get into now at this point in the episode. But our past with the inside pitch, what we started out with covering all of baseball. Many of you were here when we were the Bleeding Blue and Yellow podcast. But then we, we changed it to the barrel or the barrel MKE. So just kind of talking about what that looks like and, and who we have been, where we, where we came from, I guess, and who we are. I wrote an article about the Brewers' off-season moves, what they did, but, but also, like, they made a lot of moves. They traded for Jesse Winker. They traded Wong. They traded Hunter Renfro. They got William Contreras in, in, that, in that good trade. But the sum of their moves, did they just make activity and not really accomplish anything? Are they really a better team than they were before the moves? That's one of the articles on that. And then the last one, we talked about it a little bit earlier, is about identity, contract extensions, the Corbin Burns arbitration case, kind of intermingling all those topics together, talking about how the Brewer fans love 82 and why they love 82. They, I think they rightfully so love 82. I mean, I love 82, and I wasn't even there for, uh, for the, the Brewers, and, and why, why it's a problem with the current state of baseball in terms of the identity of a team and fan enjoyment. So I hope to write articles maybe every other week. I don't have a ton of time right now to, to crank out a bunch of articles, but I hope to pretty consistently put things out, and they'll be pretty wide-ranging. I won't put out, like, game recaps or anything like that. There are other sites where you can go for that, but there'll be more of these topical pieces like like talking about the offseason. I'll, I'll probably get one out about storylines going into spring training, new rules. Those kind of topics will be covered in uh, in the new Substack. Yeah, page. And I, I would certainly recommend listening or it's not listening, reading the article on comparing, like we talked about, the tenure of players. I thought that was really interesting, the, the parallels to 82 and actually the opposite, the, the distinction between the way baseball is now to 82 and the Ben Ogilvy's, Don Money's, compared to the, I don't know, Aramis Ramirez and Eric Thames that we see today. So I, I thought that was a great article. And uh, if you're new to us or you're wondering who the inside pitch even was, um, our origin story is, uh, I'm a little biased, but that was an interesting one to hear about uh, the journey we've been on that started back in 2019. Um, so it's been it's mm -hmm. been a minute that we've been doing this. And uh, I think we're also in some cases just getting started too on what we're being able to put out as far as content. So with that, um, I think we're getting ready for spring training. Of course, Brewers will have had a game underway uh, by the time this, this is out, and we are excited to, to get going for baseball. So, David, I'll put you on the spot. I know you enjoyed that last time when I put you on the spot 
last episode and I had to ghostwrite your closing. So um, any final thoughts here before we go? I was just thinking about that, the article in our, our talk about identity. So I won't ruin the whole article, but we were talking about how like the average 82 brewer spent about 10 years with the club versus that number was significantly lower among the 2018 brewers at 196 games and made it to game seven of the NLCS. But even their opponent, the Dodgers in 2018, averaged about seven years in terms of, of the amount of time spent with the team. So, like, is that a problem? Why is it a problem? I'll kind of leave it hanging, um, and you can go read the article. Uh, so I guess my closing thoughts will will hopefully lead you to our Substack. Is that is that good, uh, I, good I promo? Think so. I think so. We should have, like, a link in the description below I, here. I'll point like this, and then yeah. you can you can figure out how to add okay. the link on, on YouTube. But there we go. So with okay. that, we'll be back uh, for more. And as always, this is Peter and David Go signing off. Go Brewers. Thank you for listening to the Barrel Banter. We'd appreciate it if you leave a comment or review so we can get the word out about our show. To hear more, find us on YouTube at The Barrel or on Twitter at The Barrel MKE. We look forward to connecting with you next time. Thank you.